We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I am joined by Sean Siegel, my co host here on Rotoviz Overtime. Sean, we had Scott Barrett on the Thursday episode. We're having him back today. He'll be joining us in just a few moments. We did talk with him about the running backs on the show on Thursday. We're going to be talking all about wide receivers on today's episode. So lots of great insights from him on Thursday. Looking forward to getting some uh, insights here today as well as we dive into wide receivers. Yeah, this is such a, a deep and yet controversial class. We've got landing spots that are exciting we've got landing spots that maybe the receiver will never be heard from again we have small school sleepers we have athletic freaks and it just the variety of profiles that we're getting here in 2022 and the depth and the way these guys are going to come off the board considering that the running back position is so shallow that makes wide receiver the position we want to know everything about so it'd be exciting to get scott's takes today yeah so let's not let's not hold off let's dive straight into it and uh delighted to welcome scott back to the road of his overtime podcast oh thanks for having me good to be back yeah uh, we do like to we, we like to joke about it sometimes behind the scenes but we're recording this one just after we recorded the uh the thursday episode as well so we'll, we'll not string the like we'll, we'll let them know how the sausage is made for for this episode scott but uh, lots of stuff to talk about today. We talked a lot about the running back position on the Thursday episode. Today, we are focusing on the wide receivers. I know Sean has, he did tease it on the show earlier this week about the Superflex draft you guys are in together. So I'll, I'll let Sean kick things off with that one. Yeah, so we're having a lot of fun in the Animal Shelter draft. Sam Wallace is my co-manager and we have been selecting QBs deep in round two. But Scott, you had three picks in the first round three picks in the first seven even and you selected walker at the 104 wilson at the 106 and williams at the 107 Uh, these are obviously good tactics as wide receivers deeper you're guaranteed to get at least two of burks wilson williams and alave even after the running back pick what if you only had one pick would you have attacked this draft the same way yeah probably i i think so um 
it's hard to say. I, I talked about it in the last episode, but it's like, again, this, this class reminds me a lot of the 2016 class. I mentioned like Brees Hall being Zeke and Kenneth Walker being Derrick Henry, but like really the wide receivers too, Corey Coleman, wide receiver one, Will Fuller, wide receiver two. And then the, the best, most productive one was Michael Thomas. But you had a lot of wide receivers being drafted in round one, round two, round three. And like, which ones hit? I don't know. It just seemed like a massive coin flip where either the wide receiver was a colossal bust or he was, you know, hyperproductive Will Fuller, Michael Thomas, except there wasn't too many of them. I think there'll be a few more of those successful types in this class, but it does feel very coin flippish on each one. And if you talk to, like I, I had my five go-to uh, film heads, right? You know, former PFF buddies, Greg Cassell, who works with our site, uh, people like that, and uh, Danny Kelly of The Ringer. And you talk to them and one, three guys say Drake, uh, Drake London is Hakeem Butler. And then three others say he's the best wide receiver in the class. Three say Traylon Burks is Levi a worser version of LaVisca Chenault. Jim Nagy said that on our podcast. And then three others will say he's AJ Brown and DK Metcalf in one player. And it's like, what? <laughs> how is that possible? How can these people watch the same thing and come away with those conclusions? And I have no idea. And so all I did was ranked my wide receivers according to my production model and address their very glaring, very damning red flags. And uh, right now, uh, add in the athleticism component and and try and come up with a ranking. And it's 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 tricky. This class is tricky. It feels like it feels like more so than uh, the last couple of years. Anyway, that the range of outcomes from different analysis and different even scouts or the NFL uh, kind of drafts that are coming out, the mock drafts, they vary so much from person to person. And that's kind of what you're hinting at there. But there's a couple of guys here I want to see for you, uh, how you feel about them, and that's Jamison Williams and Chris Olave. Do you think that they're pretty close in this class? Do you think they are both guys that are going to be productive at the NFL, or do you think they're guys that are going to fall by the wayside? Because there's a, a lot of question marks with some of the, the bits that you've mentioned so far there. Yeah, I, I said uh, Greg Cassell works for the site. He said basically Tyquan Thornton, a player I love, was basically a more physical Chris Olave on tape, like the same player, but with far more physicality. And it's just like, it's just crazy how, you know, so how so low some of these guys can get, but no, my, my model said Jamison Williams uh, was the wide receiver two, And then basically tied wide receiver three with Garrett Wilson. Um, Jamison Williams, red flag. He is a couple and, and they're, they're very damning. One is, extremely low BMI, lower BMI than Devonta Smith. We spent all off season talking about, you know, and he, he's even lower than that. You, you could say he, he, you know, he, well, he's, he's a lot faster to be fair, but you could say, you know, the training, the ACL lack of training played a role in that. And like, that's fine, whatever. Uh, the ACL, like that's, that's not a concern to me at all. You know, some people are like, Oh, you fade him and then buy low later after he's, like week eight and he's done nothing because he didn't play and he missed training camp. That, that's not persuasive to me. Uh, the big red flag is that he's a one-year wonder. And it's not just that he is, uh, you know, he didn't miss the prerequisite breakout age and he only had one year of meaningful production. 
It's that he it's, it's that he was legitimately bad in 2020, or at least the numbers were legitimately bad in 2020. It's a false narrative that he wasn't seeing the field. That's just it's just fake news. He was on the field. He had 40 fewer uh, routes run than Chris Olave, uh, but only 21% of his yards on on 82% of the routes. And how is that? How is that? And like, so now you're saying take him above Chris Olave when Chris Olave was running absolute circles around him. He ranked 15th worst of 115 qualifying or 12th worst of 165 qualifying power five wide receivers and routes run. Um, it was 573 fewer yards and 40 fewer routes. Like, so he's on the field and he just did nothing. Chris Olave running circles around him. What do you do with that? It's 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 a damning red flag. It's scary. I'll just say I watched the tape and like the dude is always open. And I just don't know why Fields never looked his way, but he never looked his way. Uh, and then Chris Olave, um, really impressive numbers, uh, has the breakout age, uh, broke out as a sophomore, led the team the next year, bested Garrett Wilson by a decent margin in yards, uh, yards per game, like really great historic levels or like top three levels of yardage market share and uh, yards per team pass attempt and things like that. His, and then the next year fell to wide receiver three, but again, Garrett Wilson's awesome. Jackson Smith and Jigma is awesome. Uh, So that is like a slight red flag, but uh, the big red flag to me is uh, that he just like plays like a wussy. That's the narrative on him. And it's just really backed up by the numbers. It's he had he forced one missed tackle all of last year. He ranked 50th in receptions, 521st in missed tackles. Sky Moore, David Bell, Wandale Robinson, Drake London, John Mechie, they all had at least 20 missed tackles. Uh, Drake London averaged one missed tackle every 3.3 receptions in college. Uh, that ranks top seven since 2014 that was more than Debo Samuel that's more than LaVisca Chenault than DJ Moore and like all those other guys uh Chris Olave one missed tackle every 19.6 receptions that's worse than Zach Ertz unanimously regarded as like the least elusive player in football it was by far worse in the class by career yards after contact per reception he was worse than the top 25 wide receivers he was second worst by career yards after the catch Per reception. Um, I mean, he beasted by a bunch of other stuff, but like that's, yeah, that's a red flag to me. That's like a, a pretty damning one. And it, so how do you rank them? I don't know. It's just, these guys are super risky. Well, you mentioned the risk and that's kind of one of the fun parts of this class because there also could be some outsized reward. And one of the reasons is that we expect the Packers and the Chiefs to take some guys toward the end of the first round. Should drafters be emphasizing this in their sort of pre-draft leagues? You mentioned that you have a ton of rookie drafts that go before the NFL draft. Obviously, there's a lot of best ball that is happening and still happening. How are you looking at that? Or is it just too hard to tell? I mean, one of the things that you had mentioned here is that some people are very high in Drake London and Traylon Burks. Some people are very low on those guys and, and obviously vice versa, that kind of thing. Too hard to tell where these guys are going to go, even in terms of kind of breaking it down, like top 15 picks and next 15 picks in the first round. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is this is a good question. I, what do you what do you think, Sean? I, it's sort of like, do we just trust the projected draft capital? I, I'm inclined to lean 
in that direction. I mean, I, I remember, uh, you know, Nikhil Harry, who a lot of people were low on, and then he goes to Patriots, and everyone's like, oh, this is like the perfect landing spot. He has to be the wide, wide receiver one. I think I might have even said that. And it's like, well, that was a that was a mistake. And it's like Jamison Williams goes top 10, but Sky Moore goes to Green Bay or Kansas City. And it's like, I mean, the NFL thought this guy is a, a top 10 talent. And like this one team thought this guy is, you know, a, a low end round one talent or like the, the rest of the NFL thought he was a low end round one talent. And it's like, yeah, so Jamison Williams is probably just better, you know. Kansas City too. I mean, like maybe that's a red flag given their their track record on position players. But uh, yeah, Green Bay. That's that's hard to argue with. Green Green Bay is nice. Well, which of these groups, sort of buckets, would you think is riskier in terms of overall, but then also projecting them into certain spots? Are the kind of receivers associated one way or another with Ohio State? Or are these two big guys that you mentioned earlier in terms of London and Burks? Oh, uh, I think Burks by far has the the most damning red flag. Uh, it's just like the pro, the profile is very Laviska Schnault esque, and I've I've gone back and forth with like so many people on this. Uh, Danny Kelly is like a huge fan, of it. I mean, we've just gone back and forth, and like at the end of this, now it's just like, do we know anything? Like, what is what is real is the answer just to, to eat Arby's, but um, his red flags are uh, uh, so he had like the worst teammate score of any wide receiver in my model. He just had like decently competent quarterback play, but like uh, future used car salesman competing for targets alongside of him. Uh, I, I dismissed that. I didn't think that was a compelling argument for one thing. Like uh, he led the class in pass rating when targeted uh, the team, it was a near perfect pass rating when targeted and it was a very mediocre to sub mediocre when targeting anyone else. Uh, the, the damning red flag to, uh, is uh, basically uh, he, he, so he never faced press coverage. He, he never, he was predominantly in the slot. Uh, he uh, had a ton of man manufactured production coming on screens and then like, really he was like never asked to actually beat a cornerback in coverage and like wide receivers are supposed to beat cornerbacks in coverage. So uh, minus screens, which are just like a proxy for manufactured touches and go routes, which, which make up uh, 22% of all wide receiver yardage in college, but just 14% in the NFL. So it's like more of a college route than, uh, than an NFL route. Uh, he didn't really do anything. So like last season, 56% of his yardage came on screens and goes. That was by far the most of any wide receiver invited the combine. It was far more than LaVisca Chenault in 2018. Jamison Williams, the best deep threat in the class, was at 17%. Um, and then he like didn't he didn't run a nuanced route tree, but he again like never faced cornerbacks, had to beat cornerbacks in coverage. He only had 17 non-screen catches against single man coverage uh, when lined up as a wide receiver. So excluding like running back routes uh, among the top 15 wide receivers in the class, only one wide receiver ranked below him. That was George Pickens only had four, four, five total catches all year did injury. Um, and again, that was like perfectly in line with LaVisca Chanel's 2018. Uh, the, the problem is, Oh, and like 
great yards after the catch, but 32% of his yards after the catch came on just three plays that knocks him from 9.3 best in the class to 6.7 tied with John Mechie. And so it's just like a bunch of things like that. What I will say, like, again, this, this wide receiver class is driving me crazy by far the smallest sample in routes outside routes against press routes against like whatever things like that. He was easily wide receiver one. It was just by far the smallest sample. Uh, so it's a question of like, he wasn't asked to do this thing. Can he do this thing? I don't know. I just see risky. I see uh, landing spot dependent. I see him uh, a slow starter early in his career. Yeah, just 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 super risky on him. Hey, Rotoviz fans. This is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RV Radio 2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RV Radio 2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year Rotoviz subscription. Enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a number of guys that I want to ask. You mentioned Pickens there, and he's going to be in this list, but also Watson, and probably the buzziest of all the names is Sky Moore, but they are kind of guys who are now getting to the point where they're trendy. They feel like they're late first round, early second round maybe picks, but uh, we'll see how it goes over the next week or so. But do you think those guys can sneak into that first round in the NFL draft? And then the second part of that question is, are you excited about any of those three guys that I did mention? Yeah, what, what were the three one more time? I'm sorry. Uh, Sky Moore, Watson, and Pickens. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I really like Pickens. I I probably like Pickens more than Burks. I might like him. Uh, I, if I stay true to my model, I, I, I can't like him over Alave. But uh, you can make an argument for it. I, I think he his uh, Alave's red flag is like far more severe than, than anything negative on Pickens. Like I want him to be my 
that high. I don't know. Um, yeah, I really like him. The non-power five guys, uh, my model hates non-power five guys, and I just kind of hate non-power five guys too. Uh, Christian Watson, just like insanely athletic, but uh, FCS wide receiver. I mean, like those guys are so hard to trust. Uh, the, the hit rate on those are super low except like the two biggest hits ever were randomly both FCS wide receivers and Jerry Rice and, and Jerry, uh, vanilla rice, Jerry white rice, Cooper cup. Um, so just, uh, is he the next one of those? Probably not, but he is one of the most athletic wide receivers ever. And he put up, uh, some of the best yards for route run seasons ever. Uh, he glides like Randy Moss, but he also like didn't really run real routes faced like, you know, insurance salesman levels of competition. He, uh, was the worst wide receiver in the class at contested catches despite his size. He, you know, a bunch of, bunch of flaws in that sky Moore, Uh, I like wanted to like, because like people comped him to golden Tate and golden Tate's one of my favorite wide receivers ever. So I was like really excited to, to watch him. And I, I just like, didn't, didn't definitely didn't see golden Tate. I, I thought it was insulting to golden Tate. And I just like didn't love the route running. I thought he was a sod only. And the, the model wasn't wasn't really high on, on him at all. Uh, he uh, it's hard. All right, here, let me like just hear pick your brain on this, but it's like uh D- Dwayne Eskridge's tw- uh 2020 season, which keep in mind, Dwayne Eskridge, I know he's a lot older, but he he played cornerback the year before. Uh and his 2020 season was significantly more impressive than Sky Moore's 2021 season. Again, you have to age adjust that, sure. But also, Sky Moore's breakout uh, 2019 season wasn't as impressive as uh, the wide receiver one they had the year before that, Jalen Reed, who had uh, significantly inf- inferior quarterback play, John Wasink, uh, a UDFA uh uh, Caleb Ellaby, Sky Moore's quarterback, is the QB8. Uh, he was competing for targets against Eskridge, who was still playing wide receiver at the time. And 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 I thought Reed's season was better uh, if age adjusted, he was younger, and if competition adjusted. And so it's just like the the numbers, I think, are just solid. But I, I also like do hate non-power five wide receivers. That's just like my bias, my model's bias. He's athletic. He's super athletic. He is that. I'm still stuck on the fact that you made such a uh, strong show in favor of Golden Tate there. I Golden Tate, a, a solid player. <laughs> oh, I'm so personally so so he had he had one trump card, and he did it better than anyone else, and that was like he was the missed tackles force god so from 2011 to 2018 he ranked top three in missed tackles force for reception of 80 plus qualifiers in every single season and it's just like that that thing he did which like you know he was like not a true ppr cheat code but he wasn't too far off that and i just like like that like that that aspect of his game i the numbers didn't bear it out that that sky more was that that great of a missed tackle guy. Well, let me ask you about another player here that tends to be a little bit above that group, but I think that 
fantasy managers have not been excited. You've had a chance to get Dotson very late in some pre-NFL draft drafts, and I, it, it doesn't seem like there's any way other than he will rise, whether or not he rises and pays off or rises and then you know you wish you just continue to ignore him is another question. But a lot of fantasy managers like that previous sort of trendy trio. Where do you put him compared to that group? The NFL decision makers seem to like him quite a bit better. Yeah, so I probably have him right behind Pickens or actually – uh, probably behind Burks, who's after Pickens. Um, yeah, uh, concerns with him, super low BMI. Uh, he's probably a slot-only guy. Uh, pretty bad athleticism. Uh, but I find I found myself like trying to make arguments for him. You know, his numbers didn't really jump off the page and wow you. Uh, but he also like had easily like the worst quarterback play of any of these. Um, you know, fringe round one, power five guys. Um, so, like, you can compare him to Chris Olave, right? Uh, Chris Olave had maybe the best quarterback play in football last year and the year before that. Uh, Sean Clifford, his quarterback, ranked uh, bottom 15 of 50-plus qualifying uh, power five quarterbacks by PFF pass grade. According to PFF last season, Dotson was open on 66% of his targets, traveling 10 yards or more. It was only slightly less than Chris Olave's 70%. He had the same level, uh, the same average depth of targets. It was like the same difficulty of throw. But uh, Olave's uh, targets on those throws were accurate 68% of the time, while Dotson was just 42%. So that's like a 62% advantage in Olave's favor but Olave was only 7% more efficient by yards per target average. So uh, yeah, when you, when you factor in QB play to the mix, I, I think Dotson looks uh, far more impressive. And like, that's another guy who like, I, I, I did that with a bunch of different players where it's, you know, stack them up to a Chris Olave and it's like, Hey, you know, make some arguments. This guy seems more impressive, at least in some ways. The part that, people love to hear is the sleeper category um you know who's there that could make this massive jump you know low capital who becomes a superstar maybe that doesn't happen in this draft the truth is it doesn't happen in most drafts but um is there anyone that's standing out to you as a kind of mid to late round pick that you know your model is excited about yeah of the day three guys uh we could talk justin ross we could talk wandale robinson or we could talk Tyquan Thornton. Uh, I, I, I stripped Justin Ross from my model and I just put him in his own bucket, his own tier. Uh, he's projected to be drafted in round seven, uh, which yeah, it's not, that's not good. But uh, I mean, if this were, if this were the wide receiver who, you know, uh, we saw in 2018 to 2019 when he had, 96% of T Higgins receiving yards on 94% of T Higgins routes run. And, you know, 2020 didn't happen. The the spine injury never happened. The, uh, or the congenital issue, uh, 2021 didn't happen where, by the way, he had a broken bone in his foot that he played through the entire season, uh, with bottom five levels of quarterback play. So if you throw out 
2020 and 2021, just look at the guy, just first two seasons. Uh, this is arguably, you know, wide receiver three by the numbers, wide receiver four by the numbers. Uh, the issue is like, it seems the NFL is really worried. They, they don't think uh, maybe he can ever be the same player again. Uh, I mean, he heard from neurosurgeons and multiple doctors who said he should never play football again. Yeah. So to the, to the listeners at home, uh, I've just been interrupted by my fire alarm on eight different occasions. So apologies if, uh, it seems like I lost my train of thought, but, uh, yeah. So basically from 2019 to 2020, Ross had 88.5% of T Higgins receiving yards playing alongside him on 86.8% as many route runs. Uh, this is a guy who is going round three in rookie drafts. Uh, again, he, he, on that team was also Amari Rogers, a round three pick Hunter Renfro fantasy's wide receiver 10 in 2021. He averaged 4.98 yards per route run. That's the best season by any wide receiver since at least 2014 of 4,000 qualifiers significantly better than Devonta Smith's 2020 season, which ranked second with 4.39. Uh, if age adjusted, nothing comes close. If age and comp competition adjusted, nothing comes close. Only Jamar Smith and Jack Jackson Smith and Jigba. So it's really a, a balance of, Hey, you know, this guy could go undrafted. Uh, multiple doctors and neurosurgeons have told him he should never play football again. He's trying to be the first known player to make the NFL with a congenital fusion in his spine. Or you're getting T. Higgins at a fraction of the cost. That's basically that's basically the 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 question you have. I'm actually not taking him in rookie drafts. I'm expecting low end day three draft capital. So I'm just waiting for that to the hold hold true and then load up everywhere. But who knows? Maybe he goes round two. Maybe he goes round three. But uh, really love his upside as the ideal upside wins championships rookie pick for uh, 2022. Scott, you mentioned all of these different elements, and I have to say that I'm very intrigued by Ross and, and getting him a lot of places. You mentioned he probably will be even cheaper, and that's something to factor in. How much of this, you know, round six, round seven undrafted kind of element relates to him actually doing some workouts and testing as a non-NFL athlete, as opposed to just saying, look, I'm not, I mean, <laughs> I'm rehabbing multiple things. I'm not ready. I don't need to work out now it's six months before the nfl season for these guys who who do want to prove that they can actually walk it's like just walk like don't do a workout and test so poorly is that the element or is it that they think that i mean the neck is a done deal uh yeah so we heard that from about garrett prince too a, a non-combine invite tight end i like a lot uh he 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 played he went through his pro day through injury and just like a big mistake the guy's like a track star and he tested horribly i actually have sources on justin ross i not really a source guy but i have sources sources told me that uh he wasn't physically able to train for the events he didn't prepare for the 40 or anything else because he physically couldn't uh but yeah i think i think the real fear is that the nfl doesn't want to take the risk of drafting or, or playing a guy who with, with this issue. And, and I think many teams wonder if he'll ever be the same player again, because 20, his entire 2021 season was marred by a very serious foot injury. 
So Scott, we got to get you out of here before your apartment burns down, but leave us with the must draft wide receiver in 2022. Uh, crap. I, I guess it's, I guess it's Justin Ross after he falls to, to round seven. I think, you know, there's a really good chance he never does anything, but there's also that chance. Again, you got basically T Higgins or maybe even T Higgins plus at, uh, at, for, for a late round four pick. So uh, he's just my type. Yeah. It's a low risk, high reward, but uh, let's see how the NFL goes with him in the draft, but, uh, anything T Higgins related gets myself and Sean quite excited so that's uh, a nice comp to have there uh, a nice player to talk about um, in terms of Scott we are letting him go We hopefully I've been able to edit out most of the fire alarms throughout the show but uh, we had a lot of fun recording this one as well as uh, hopefully you've had a lot of fun listening to it check out Scott on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFB he mentioned on Thursday show to check out the pin tweet to get a lot of his content there but as we let you go today, anything else that you want to give a, a shout out to? Uh, fantasypoints.com, the Greg Cassell draft guide. You can check out all of uh, Wes Huber's work. That's basically its own draft guide. And my own uh, rookie model articles that's, you know, in, in combi- combination, like just, uh, just follow me on Twitter, Scott Barrett, DFB. Thanks, guys. And I'm actually going to leave that last one in just uh, just for the listeners enjoying. Should make a blooper reel. <laughs> so that is the third show of the week. Getting ready to wrap up here, Sean. But we did have Scott on both shows. Thanks again to him for coming on. Lots of good takes there on the wide receiver and running back position over the last couple of days, and it has been great over the last few weeks to get differing opinions um, off some of these players to try and make our own kind of rounded approaches then as to what we expect to happen come the draft and how we're valuing these rookies as we head into the 2022 season so it's going to be a fascinating uh i would say seven to ten days here as we see how these players fall there'll be some of the guys that we are interested in that may go undrafted we'll see what happens with uh you know undrafted free agency then and where these players land so a lot to happen but between now and then we are going to have um travis may on next week's podcast looking forward to having him on as we preview the nfl draft and the week after the draft we're going to have pat corain on so that should be a fun one as well as we have pat on so lots more to come from road of his overtime as we have three shows a week pretty much all the time and like a week like this sean we had five shows where we had the draft specials as well so more of them coming your way so make sure you are subscribed to get all of that but a really action-packed week here on OT, and I know you said a, an action-packed week as well on Stealing Bananas, so plenty of podcasts listening for anyone out there in the, the Road of His community looking for some content this week. Yeah, you and I had such a fun time doing our Superflex draft, and we tried to use sort of the quarterback tactics that Ben and I had discussed on Stealing Bananas, the quarterback tactics that Connor O'Driscoll has outlined so expertly in his article up on the website. Then Ben and I did some rookies and sophomore drafts on Underdog, where we again try to do a little bit of that same thing and then also take to some of our favorite rookies, you know, get some of these final drafts in before the NFL draft. Can't wait for that event. And column, I've got something like 90 rookie picks in my three Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty Leagues in over at the FFPC. And so I'm not sure I've ever looked forward to a post-draft 
rookie draft time period as much as I'm looking forward to 2022. It should be very, very exciting. We're going to get to find out who your Packers add, who my Chiefs add. Hopefully it won't be players who deserve to be in round six uh, right off the bat there, but it's just, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And we're having fun with it. We appreciate the listeners being along for the ride. Really, this feels like Christmas from a fantasy football perspective. I'm a, I'm a speechless. It's it's, it's, so, lost for it's words. so fun. I, yeah, I love what we're doing here. So yeah, it's it's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it very much. So you mentioned those leagues over at the FFPC. We might have to actually touch on that, Sean, to see uh, next week on one of the shows as to how you are going to accommodate all those picks onto <laughs> onto those rosters. That's a a lot of picks to to get fitting in there. But looking forward to uh, next week's shows as well. As I, I already teased, the the guest will be Travis May. So he will be on the Tuesday edition, I believe. We're still finalizing the scheduling, but we're looking to have him on pre the draft. Obviously, is is better to get that because um, you know we get those pre draft takes from Travis. So looking forward to that. As always, you can get yourself a ten percent discount to a road of his NFL pass by using the code RB Radio twenty twenty one. Get you all the access to everything up on the the road of his website. Perfect time to do it now before the NFL draft, and you'll have all that content through the next twelve months. But with that all said and done, we are going to wrap it up today. Thanks to everyone for listening in. This was the week where we had 400 episodes of the show. Sean did mention as well the draft episodes. Maybe they slipped by. They were out on Monday and Tuesday morning. Usually we don't have a Monday podcast. You may have missed those. If you have, feel free to head back and check those out. We do appreciate it very, very much. But until we're back next week with some more podcasts coming your way, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>